Welcome to Two and a Half Sportsmen, a sports comedy podcast hosted by Jordan Pomaville, Joel Anderson, and your sports outsider, Phil Ranta. Let's get it on. And now it's time for another mailbag. Brought to you by stamps.com. Are you still mailing things? Get with the <laughs> 21st century, bozo. Okay, and this uh another mailbag. Very, very popular segment. <laughs> this is fans. not it's not a real segment. Joel <laughs> writes these letters himself. Well, the segment is real. The segment's real. Yeah. The, real. The, the conceit is fake. It's a well, conceit. Unless oh. the whole world's a simulation, but I won't get that. And if you die in the simulation. You die. Allow, allow me to be more specific. People really love this segment, except for the incredible disrespect that you no, guys continue to show. Child oh orphans that are god. dying Fans. apparently love this oh segment. Oh my god! Yeah. Uh, it's just like weird fanfic for you. Yeah, this no, is like this, this is, is like a writing exercise <laughs> you do to like get loose in the morning. Sort of, it's yeah. just like, what if my name was Chad and I'm from an orphanage in jacksonville florida it's like you're shipping sort of different meaning of fan fan fiction is what you're saying (laughs) yeah it's like shipping fanfic but you are always the one that people are falling in love with Uh, it's like robert pattinson wrote me a letter and said i I was so handsome I i will admit that i don't actually meet with these fans i only read their letters as they come into us uh but we get a lot of these and they're i i Gonna be honest, I think they're really meaningful to the fans who get them. They live to the in your fans head. who write in, and it's it's just sad to see that you guys are so intense. All right, who's who, who's who's the fake little child this time? Yeah. <laughs> the very real child who wrote us a letter took the time to write us a letter from the Oslo Institute for Dyslexia. Oh, so this no. I think you mean the Solo Institute for <laughs> Dyslexia. <laughs> Alos. I don't I don't think I do. I mean Oslo, she's from Norway and oh. she clearly put a lot of time into writing this letter. Uh someone who's dyslexic at her age, I for one really respect her. All right. Putting time in well, how, to, how to old do is this. She? She's 10. Okay, yeah, that's in, yeah. okay. That's in her name. Her yeah. name is Margaret Nome. Margaret Nome from Oslo, Norway. Yes. Dear two and a half sportsmen. I've noticed that Magnus Sheffield has been performing well of late, winning stage three Ooh. of the Tour of Andalusia nope. with Tios <laughs> Grenadiers. So A dyslexic could never write the word Andalusia. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't happen. I mean, Phil's, wow. Phil's okay. right. Yeah. It, it's one thing to, I couldn't it's spell one that thing word. to right. insist that these aren't real people. It's another to make fun. I'm not of making their fun. Effort. I'm saying it's impossible. That's like saying, like, Oh, uh, this this person with uh, no eyes saw the most beautiful sunset, or that guy with like no arms is like bench pressing four hundred. All right, exactly. It. Yeah, can't happen. Phil Phil is clearly setting out to be the first person me tooed by the dyslexic community. No, I respect <laughs> the he... dyslexic community, which is why I feel that this mockery of you, you making just think up they a character can't with dyslexia. Write Andalusia. Look, if they took, I, the... I couldn't. Could, a child, I couldn't write a child a from year Norway. Old. Yeah, ten year old from Norway with dyslexia writing the word Andalusia. Come on, I'm going to continue. Okay. okay. He's Good just luck. 20, and he's on an elite team that has me wondering, what sort of history do American cyclists have in World Tour cycling? Uh, there aren't many of them, but definitely a few just wondering uh, what, what's happened for them. Also, no kid likes cycling, but there's also that. Also, no one phrases their questions I'm perfectly Margaret. to tee up a bit. Like, <laughs> right. It's like, hey, I've always wondered, 
what you know yeah margaret would be like i like bikes what first first of all the people who are writing into this segment are doing so to uh, tee up a bit. Okay, there yeah. it's a uh, you know she mailbag. This is this was yeah. written to two and a half sportsman care of Joel Anderson mailbag. Yeah, real segment. They're hoping that we do a segment. <laughs> real segment, California. <laughs> I guess they're they're hoping that they were going to do a segment based on their letter, except that then they have to be ridiculed. And accused of not being real. That's usually the first four minutes. Yeah. It's funny that they've never actually written a letter about how angry they are for being ridiculed, partially because Joel probably didn't think okay. of that when writing fake okay. letters. I don't I don't read those on the podcast, but yes, we do get those letters. I'm excited. And you know what? Bring it in next week. You know next what, week, Phil? Next, next week. week next you know week. what, Phil? Yep. They're not angry. They're just sad. Oh. Yeah. Well, that, that yeah. one hit me. Oh, yeah. Or in her case, they're just das. Hopefully, you could <laughs> keep okay, that. Keep, let's next. Let's <laughs> yeah, go. Yeah. Keep wow. going on the cycling. Wow. Yeah. Okay. She's not real. I'm not insulting a real person. <laughs> American cycling on a world. You are insulting tour. a real disorder. No, so, no, yeah. no. I'm insulting you for making up somebody with this real disorder. Let's get to the cycling. The history of American professional cyclists is one that, yes, is a little selective, but has some very prominent names. Uh, and some very prominent moments. So to start, we're going to go all the way back to 1891, Yikes. which was the first six days of New York held at the Madison Square Gardens. Ooh, That's right, folks. Uh, the end of the 19th century, Madison Square Gardens, very well known as a location for cycling, track huh. cycling. Well, they had to pull people away from their zoetropes in order to go watch a cycling. Exactly. Match. Now, and this is the bicycles where they have the huge wheel on the front, right? This right. Is yeah, exactly. The top put them in He's a got a huge curly mustache. I think mustache. if you had wanted to do that uh, to compete with one of those, you could have, but no one did because by now these were like cycles as oh, we would recognize. Okay. Them. Uh, obviously, you remember uh, the six day races. I believe we've covered them in a previous. We have covered yeah. them on a too long. Uh, yeah, just an episode. Uh, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah. So uh, America, really, the place for six day races uh, in the uh, late nineteenth and early twentieth century. So cycling's having a moment in the American zeitgeist at this time. Absolutely, and, yeah. And then there's literally nothing else to do. And then the movies came about in eighteen ninety five. Allow me, allow me, then, allow me to baseball. Yeah, allow exactly. me to describe that moment a little. Uh, sixes, as they were known, attracted enthusiasts and celebrities. Newt Rockney. George Raft, Barbara Stanwyck. Hey, I know Barbara Stanwyck. Yeah. <laughs> she did. He knew. Jordan knew Newt, Newt Rockney. Newt Rockney. Oh, I yeah. didn't know the middle guy. Newt Rockney. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Otto Kruger. Uh, Bing Crosby. Hey, no Bing. He's like, yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, I guess Crosby. <laughs> song publishers touts would hang out at the track because they knew they could approach Bing Crosby there. Oh, <laughs> oh there we go. And of course, the actress Peggy Joyce. Uh, who liked to throw $200 bonus prizes in when she'd go visit a race. So she wow. was like the creepy guy who sits by the stage and tips well. But sure. if this was yeah, before exactly. film, <laughs> she was just a stage actress and she had that much money. That's nuts. Yeah. Uh, but so this brings us to the first truly notable American cyclist, and that would be the major success of Major Taylor. Major Taylor. Major Taylor. I believe they made a movie about him. Major Taylor to ground uh, control. He is the first African-American to win a world championship in any sport. In the 1800s? In, yes, in wow. 18. Wow. 
99. I am amazed that Barbara Stanwyck wasn't more racist. Well, no, trust me, he, he encountered a great deal I of racism. I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, he including was from... Barbara Stanwyck throwing down tacks. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Gosh, you like James Bond villain car things, like oil slick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, he was a very successful track cyclist for quite a while, uh, culminating in 1899 when he won the one-mile sprint at the 1899 World Championships. Wow. Awesome. Uh, so you're saying his cycling was more progressive than like any sport by 50 years? Hard to say. Uh, well, Jack Johnson, the first uh, heavyweight champion boxer, was With, like 1910, and 1911. Super chill acoustic guitar tunes. <laughs> That's board yeah. shorts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You got. You guys get it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but after that, it was uh, a pretty long pause in American relevance in, in elite competitive uh, cycling. Mm-hmm. I think there was sporadically a few people who'd, who'd make their way across the pond, but it was largely a European sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, they really they really knew the things that ended for for track cycling when uh, uh, who is it? I've got it written down here. Uh, it was a figure skater. A figure skater yeah, was I think Peggy, Peggy Fleming was a famous figure skater. Okay. And they basically bumped uh, the six-day races in December so that she could she could have the Madison Square Gardens to herself to, to the do month of December. For okay. Man, yeah, to, entertainment to her, back then yeah. sucked. Well, also the idea of just like, we have one venue. Yeah. And do you know figure skating back then was not triple axles? No. It was like, he probably fell every 30 yeah. seconds and just like, was like marching well, I, across I think, the I, 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 know, this is, I was this thinking is, the show was, she doesn't fall down. Right, there we go. Like this new, is like an ice capades type thing. I right. Think. I don't think it was competitive. I think it was like, oh, I see. It's like the big feather, Peggy like MGM Fleming put on a show. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like the Rockettes, but like yeah, ice, ice dancing. But either yeah. way, like, you're like, ooh, we were bumped for figure skating. Yeah. I get not it. Not a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I would. I would rather watch figure skating than cycling. Me, okay, it happened. Uh, it happened artistry. wrong. It's it, a show. You know, yeah. in the nineties, it happened to must see TV. That's true. They were yeah. like, "Hey, we got we got a Nancy Kerrigan. We're we're get, get out of here, Paul Reiser." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, that's my show." But uh, he was we, Seinfeld before Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Paul Reiser did Seinfeld better than Seinfeld. You know, Come I, at me. I Whoa. Have, yeah. I have not. I have not. Uh, watched an episode of God knows how long, but what was the the Paul Reiser show with Helen Hunt? Mad about, about you. you. Mad about you. Our crusty I remember Clowns that parody, being Mad quite about a good you. sitcom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps worth a reviewing. I'll let you guys know next week. Yeah. Okay. When it I was, bring it, it was bring better the- Seinfeld. It was uh, he was a better Seinfeld, but Seinfeld was a better show. But there you go. Yeah, we'll go on. <laughs> anyway. Uh, speaking of Seinfeld, we're going to fast forward to the 1980s. Hey! Even though, I mean, that was mostly the 1990s. But I believe it started in 89? No. Maybe. Answering machines were on the entire show. Right. We'll just say Let's get rid of Seinfeld and just say Elf. Yeah, let's let's not overanalyze. Elf was all 80s, baby. Let's not overanalyze the segue. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, in 1981, uh, 7-Eleven... Uh, started sponsoring a cycling team of and convenience store fame. Uh, yeah, so convenience store fame. Okay. Uh, and pro cycling fame. Oh sure. right. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but initially formed as an amateur cycling team in 1981. Uh, by the mid 80s, it had uh, graduated to become one of the the major teams on the circuit. Uh, competing in uh, most of the major races, including like the Tour de France. 
received an invitation to the 1985 Giro d'Italia. Ooh. Uh-huh. Uh, when it was the first uh, Grand Tour stage wins in American history occurred in that race. Andrew Hampston uh, would go on to win there. So this is quite a big moment. Hampston, who would also become just the second American to win a Grand Tour when he won the 1989 Giro d'Italia. Oh, wow. Of the East Coast Hamptons. Oh, yeah. Connecticut Hamptons. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I have a question, uh, an honest yeah. question. When you're when we're talking about a team like this, are you suggesting that you don't normally ask honest questions? I, I feel like sometimes my questions in this segment can can be a tad facetious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what? Yeah. <laughs> or or just straight up not this another a, insult to these poor children. Yeah, right. Or this isn't so much a question as a derogatory remark. Yeah. But no, but no. Uh, the, when you were, we're talking about a team that raced in the Euro d'Italia, would this be like Team America, or would this be like Team Seven Eleven, or like no, no, what, so? This would still they, be, would they be called Team Seven Eleven, so privately sponsored. But it is there's. So while the nationalities spread across the teams, the sponsoring companies are often mostly based in one one place. Okay. And that frequently means that there's, you know, a little bit of like, oh, that's the French team. Like, like they will lean towards French writers because those are the people who are more popular with the people they want to advertise. These to. guys have like the the watermelon red and green. And they're like 7-Eleven. And they're yeah. Team 7-Eleven. Yeah. Team 7-Eleven. Okay. Uh, remember, so they got their big golf coffees. They got people. their Slurpees <laughs> in between. Uh, sir. In their little all... basket in front of them. They got the big gulps. They go, right. <laughs> and then they, they have to eat a burrito. And they're like, hot, 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 hot. Frozen, 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 frozen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of people do think the fact that they only ate stuff from 7-Eleven during their 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 rides. Yeah. It was a competitive advantage. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. actually, kind of the other way. What? what? Yeah. But in the 80s, they didn't have, like, power bars yet, so it was like so eating a hot dog yeah, off exactly. a roller would have right, been, like, exactly. pretty good. Well, oh, God, assuming yeah. the hot dog was less than a year old, it probably would have Oh, that helped. probably wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, so. you know, where are they going to get 7-Eleven hot dogs that are Team that young? 7-Eleven <laughs> dies of listeria. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no press is bad press. Okay. Uh, <laughs> But of so. course, I mentioned 7-Eleven. I'm burying the lead for American cycling in the 1980s. What? Because I have yet to mention Greg LeMond. Okay, uh, he's brought him up before. This yeah, is someone. Greg the Moon. Yeah. And Greg LeMond, possibly like one of the more underrated cyclists and underrated American athletes you're ever going to see. Well, when your last name is LeMond, people aren't going to think you're American. Uh, yeah. LeMond, French for the world. I know, exactly. <laughs> oh, I thought it was the moon. Uh, but he... Uh, <laughs> Overcame La Luna. La Luna. <laughs> yeah. Overcame ADHD as a kid. Said that cycling really helped him with that. Well, uh, yeah. If you got all that hyperactive energy, you're like right, right, right exactly. It's, uh, but uh, by age 21, uh, he was competing in the. Power, he powered his parents' generator. There we he go. Just popped him on that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just put him on the little bike in the backyard. And the whole house is just flickering all the time. Yeah, Sorry. that's not too far from yeah, me. I mean, he, he grew up. Uh, he grew up in uh, the Washoe Valley. Uh, so lots of them, you know, rode his bike back and forth to to school. Okay. Wow. But, uh, That's but not yeah. uncommon. A lot of people who didn't become pro cyclists ride their bike to school. But I imagine well, he was sure, somebody who slept I mean, in a lot. And he's like, I got to be in school in 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Dodging the neighbor's dog. Right. Dunking like the, the paper being thrown. The beginning of every 80s high school comedy he I, just did every I can, day. Grabs I can neither confirm nor deny this. Table. Right, exactly. This is a level of detail that I did not come across in my right. cursory Greg LeMond research. The only time he ever stopped is when he'd pass by attractive girls then stop his bike and be like, hi, Ferris Bueller. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a little odd because his name was Greg LeMond. Yeah, but still. 
popular film, though. Uh, yeah. In 1982, at age 21, LeMond was the first American professional to win a medal at the men's road race competition since Frank Kramer in 1912. Wow. Freight Kramer. Kramer. That's great. Maybe I hear that. Uh, he said freight. Rode his first tour to France in 1984 and finished third in support of Laurent Fignon. Uh, and won the white jersey for the young writer classification. Uh, and third in the Tour de France is a pretty incredible that's result. Good. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's good. Lots of people are like, oh, I've got a top 20 Tour de France finish in my career. Pat in the back. That's uh, good. So sure. This is, and especially at such a young age, this really marked him as a cyclist on the rise. Uh, he was then signed the La Vie Claire team to ride in support of the great Bernard Hino. Who oh. was out, who I believe I've mentioned, known as the Badger. Oh, the yeah. Badger. We've gone through the Badger. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Punched punched the strikers, all of that stuff. Uh, and this is where uh, I would say, uh, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but the story from here uh, on for a little while, picked up in the book and the 30 for 30 ESPN episode, Slaying the Badger. Both are excellent. Obviously, the 30 for 30 episode is quite a bit shorter. Uh, but mm. I check them both out. Great book. I'm great just going to check out the movie. Yeah. yeah, I've yeah. Watched the movie. Cliff notes, though, 1985, uh, Greg Lamont absolutely could have won the Tour de France, uh, but was basically lied to by his team captain so that he wouldn't put time into Bernard Hino, his teammate. Uh, and Bar- he- Bernard Hino e- ends up winning, but basically because Lamont was sort of... A gauche? No, a droite, a droite. Basically, yeah. French... <laughs> French guy running the team. French guy is like the coach, and they were like, uh, don't go so fast. <laughs> That's a bad coach. It I like the like idea you know. that the coach yeah. flipped a sign, though. That like the right. sign was like race this way, and he like went like <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> he was doing uh, Bugs Bunny uh routines. No, it was Greg Lamont and Steven Roach were were up the road, and Lamond like it could have finished first, but it was basically like, uh, do we want to go? Uh, do we want Greg LeMond to win, or do we want Greg LeMond to come second and Bernard Hino to win? And as a team, they were like, eh, yeah. But if they had told Greg LeMond, like, oh, by the way, if you and Stephen Roach work together and you put in as much time as you can because Hino was hurting that day, he would have won the Tour de France. But they lied. There we go. Teammates we- teammates shouldn't lie. Teammates never lie. Yeah. Dude, that's not how teammates There's no work. lying team. Cut yeah. to 86. Bernard Hino comes back, says he's going to ride support. Or, wait. No, I'm sorry. I got it mixed up. I was talking about 86, cut to 87. Okay. Uh, Bernard Hino says, I'm going to come back and ride support for Greg LeMond. Promises in this. But guess what? They get into the race. He's not riding support for Bur- for Greg LeMond. He's straight up trying, He's to, trying to win it himself. Sure. LeMond prevents him from doing so, but it's just an absolute crazy season. What? Yeah, and then they get off their bikes. They're like, dude, you're supposed to be smart. Like, dude. I just don't. There's we. It's a it's a sport. We're fighting. That's like, not too far from the truth. I can imagine that's how it goes. Cyclists aren't like always the greatest surf interviews. Yeah. Right? It was surf court. Yeah, exactly. But dude, so, that was my wave. That was a sweet. That was a sweet swell, brah. That was my swell. No, no, man. I was catching the nerve, bro. It was a swell. All's swell. fair in love. Microwave burritos and surfing. <laughs> all order, all order in the Church of Lifeguard Bill. Right. <laughs> Ab oil break. <laughs> That's what they do in surf court. They have a break to uh, oil their abs. It's important. Anyway, so the skin doesn't peel. Back to Greg Lamont. Right, Greg Lamont. Greg the world. <laughs> Greg the world. Yes. 
Uh, he's planning on coming back in 88 to defend his Did title. Did he win in 87? He beat that guy? Won in 87. All oh, right, that guy who tricked him. Yeah. He, yeah. Just, he, he tricked him by beating him. And went, then insists that, like, oh, I was trying to mix up the race and make other people attack to help Greg. And it was like, no, that's not what you were doing at all. Liar. Yeah. Uh, and considering what had happened the year prior, it was a little ridiculous. But now Greg LeMond is... Uh, you know, by clearly the 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 favorite to win the '88 uh, Tour de France, but then what happens? There's a hunting accident. He oh. gets shot by his brother-in-law with a shotgun. His brother-in-law was Dick Cheney. Oh no! Peppered yeah. in his back and right side with approximately sixty pellets, Ooh. requires a police helicopter taken away, and is later told he was twenty minutes away from bleeding to death. Wow! Three his- three pellets. Remained in the lining of his heart for the rest of his life. Wow. What were they? Do, do we know what they were hunting? Birds. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Something like that. He lost 65% of his blood volume in this accident. So they, that's were, a, they were hunting other cyclists. It just was an accident <laughs> that actually shot him. They were trying to make sure Bernardino did not right, come exactly. back in 88 and stir like the pot even more. It was supposed to be so support. Dude is filled with buckshot. Yeah. Has some in his heart. Misses basically the the uh, uh, the eighty eight and oh, I'm mixing this up again. Misses misses out in eighty eight. So this is like the second half of the second act, and he kind of falls yeah. in love with his nurse. Oh, it sounds like it. Yeah, kind of. But in actuality, comes back in eighty nine. A lot of people count him out. Wins the Tour de France by eight seconds. <laughs> yeah, the smallest margin ever. The most dramatic finish ever. Because, uh, and I believe we've talked about this before, eight That feels seconds. like a lot of time. They normally, the ride on the Champs-Élysées is, is very ceremonial. Mm. It's like a sprint. Oh, this time they did a time trial, okay, which is one of the days that can actually change it. Going into the final day, Laurent Fignon was up by 50 seconds. You can't put 50 seconds into someone in a single time trial. But guess what? Greg LeMond had been experimenting with arrow helmets and arrow handlebars uh, in his cheated. position. He cheated. That, that's he put the ramp on the yeah. Arc de Triomphe. The French is <laughs> I have a rocket on the back of my bike. The ramp would actually slow you down a lot. Right. That's not at all what he did. But the rocket, though. He the starts second to last <laughs> and like coyote. finishes. There's this great footage of Laurent Fignon, like hammering out strokes as he literally watches the tour de France. Okay. 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 What? I was laughing about something completely different. I'm I'm sorry, Margaret, for for this sort of attitude. But yeah. Well, she's probably stroking out hammers, so. So literally, the, the absolute final moment of the Tour de France is Laurent Vignon crossing the finish line eight seconds too late to win the Tour de France. Mm. Most incredible tour tour ever! Wow. Uh, so Greg Lamond would come back and win it again. The backlot tour at the University <laughs> is the most incredible tour ever. They've got Fast yeah. and Furious and they've got Jaws on the same ride. Yeah, confrontation. Right. <laughs> you get frontated by Kong in the same building it's like as the eight, Fast it's and Furious rides crash. in one. Yeah, I'd argue they go. Uh, there's a uh, Vin Diesel's like those people. I'd argue that you guys are crazy, and obviously the 1989 Tour de France was better. No, you've not. You have not been on the back lot tour. You yeah. you didn't go on the 1989 Tour de France. Yeah, well, that one's a tour de force. So you can <laughs> you can do that tour in what a day. This took the 21 like grueling yeah, days. Right, maybe 40. Yeah, maybe 40. Anyway, 
The really Insane de- Psycho House. Really depends on how good your guide is. That That's can really true. also so, affect yeah. you. Greg LeMond would win it again in 1990 for his third Tour de France win, putting him among the elites, but not quite at the level of the, you know, five has long been sort of the cap, that the five-time mm-hmm. winners are the big ones. But when you consider the Tour the tour lost to, to getting uh, shot yeah. and the Tour lost to Trickery, trickery mm-hmm. uh, he would have been right there with the five, not to mention... Who knows how, how his career goes if he does not have uh, a 65% blood loss, horrible injuries to his lungs, lead pellets in the lining of his heart from there yeah, on out. Not great. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, won the world championship in 1989. One of just five cyclists who've ever uh, won both the tour and the world championship in the same year. Is the world championship yeah. a different race? It is. Okay. It's like it's like a one-day race. Uh, uh, like okay. those other ones. It was like a cumulative yeah. total. Usually held at the, the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, so, so this is all hunting's fault. So this is just a big anti-gun propaganda right. segment. Well, and EPO, because guess what? Big part of why his career ended when it did was because he was unwilling to dope. And that no. became, it was the early 90s. Yeah. The, the 90s environmental was a decade prote- protection o- defined agency. by yeah. EPO. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he quit quit teams because he wouldn't dope. But who knows how much further his career so wait, goes, both if he doesn't get shot and if the, you know, uh, huge acceleration of EPO is being essential to winning cycling in the 90s. So he got kicked out of the band for not for not doing drugs basically yes it happens so when you consider like this man in the pantheon of american athletes and how you know really could have been the greatest cyclist of all time we're really never gonna know because of what happened to him uh but often not remembered enough uh and that concludes i think that's all of the prominent american cyclists uh that weren't mentioned (laughs) wow okay Okay. Uh, yep. I was looking back through the Tour de France results of several 1990, decades. 1991 is sort of uh, so. 1891. Well, I guess I, I should mention one other person. Uh, T.J. Van Garderen. T.J. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, referred to as the Bozeman boss by a commentator, Phil Liggett. Is he from mm. Montana? Yes, that is correct. Mm. Uh, Dutch father, though. Uh, oh, finished well, fifth overall. Uh, and the first to win the Young Rider classification since uh, Andrew Hampston in 1986. Three top ten finishes in the Tour de France. That's, I mean, uh, it's not terribly impressive, but yeah. uh, that's um, as, as compared to Greg Lamont, better right. than I've done. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, other than that, can't can't think did, of anybody. Did we answer the fake question from for your fake fan? Yeah, I, okay. I, we hit yeah. some of the highlights just, of the I'm, history I'm of American sorry, Margaret, cyclists. I'm sorry, that we couldn't give you a female Norwegian cyclist to look up to. Yeah. That we yeah. had to give you just a you white You can't be American. what you can't see. Yeah. yeah. Whoa, she, yeah, just she asked. Uh, no, you asked on her yeah, behalf. A fake and question. then you gave her dyslexia for no reason. It never came back. I gave her segment. dyslexia? Yeah, you did. It you never came back. Yeah. You gave her an affliction because you made her up, and I don't even and realize you why you go there. And if you show a learning disability in Act 1, it has to go off by Act 2. That's why. It's a narrative. We received a letter and a request to do a segment. Then why we did, did she the even segment. bring up that she had We dyslexia. did the requested segment. Right. If she'd wanted to find out you about female Norwegian cyclists, yeah, I was... definitely would have done a bit. If you're going to build sympathy, segment. then you probably would should have gone with something a little more sensitive, Joel. But that's just me. Anyway. You could have just given her like a cleft palate. Yeah, totally. Margaret, Which I we hope... all know from Cobra Kai, you can change that narrative. You know? Margaret, I hope that we have armed you with some strong names of American cyclists. Uh, you know, and if you want to just uh, continue forward with the truth arming you like a lance, 
you know, that'll that'll be a way to continue from here and just ignore my co-hosts. Yeah, Hawk is awesome. <laughs> That's our show. Email us at two and a half sportsmen at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at SportsmanPod, or check out all of our episodes on any of those major podcast platforms. <laughs>